Welcome back to episode number 105 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff, the NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices. Keep comments, questions, concerns. Keep tagging me in Facebook threads. Um, Whatever it takes to get to me, guys, I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I don't care what it takes to get to me. I really don't. Send a, you could send a carrier picture. I could care less. However you need to get to me, get to me because there's a ton of information that's out there that needs needs explaining. There's a ton of information that, that um, to be honest with you, people are just blatantly confused and it's all over the place. And there's some things I'm looking at and I'm like, man, I know the answer to that. And I can get that out to you guys and I can help with that. And um, so I'm, I'm going to try to do some of that today for you guys as well. And that's the goal and scope of this this podcast. So if you're a newer listener, if you're a new chronic intractable, intractable that's my uh, nickname and uh, I'm trademarking that one, right? Copyright, whatever, whatever I need to do. Chronic intractables are the, the people that listen to the show and like the show and are just always there, always willing to help out, always willing to give ideas, always uh, just supportive of what's going on. So I appreciate you chronic intractables. Keep it up. The um, show hit like 650 overnight, six, or 1650 overnight. So we're 350 away. I mean, it's been a pretty decent jump the last couple of days. I've been on, I've been on Facebook a little bit more because I've been um, just in between things and, and seeing people tagging me. So I try to respond as soon as I can when some people do that. So I appreciate you guys doing that. The um, ways to support the show. Share the heck out of the show. Use the, use the heck out of it. I really mean it. Um, tell people what's going on. That's really the best way to do it is to let, let people know, like and share the show as much as possible. Give a rating on iTunes. Give a rating on uh, the Facebook page as well. Those are great ways to let people know that it's important to you that uh, to take your time to do that, that, that it might be something that's worth their time to listen to. And, and, uh, and they might get some information too. They may have some mildly entertaining information. The um, other way you can do it is you can use my Amazon affiliate link. The Amazon affiliate link. Every now and then I post an item of the day, which really is more like an item of the week or month. I don't do it that much because I think it's annoying when people do it every day. And that's not my goal. I'm not trying to jam things down your throat to say, hey, you need to go buy this. My point is to just every now and then highlight something that I've purchased that I actually have or want to buy and haven't gotten yet. And, um, you know, I look through the ratings. I give, like, just a brief synopsis of what it is and why I think it's the best one. And, uh, and, that's a great link to the Amazon affiliate link. So if you click on those, it'll take you right to Amazon. You could do the purchasing you otherwise would have done. And it uh, kicks me back a couple percent. It doesn't cost you another penny to do it. I promise it doesn't. I wouldn't lie to you. I know I'm a lawyer, but I wouldn't lie to you. I promise. It's not worth it. The uh, The other way to do it is go to my page, my, way, my, my plain old website, thenpdude.com. You scroll down if you're on your mobile device, it's at the bottom, there's an Amazon banner there. If you look on the main page, the full page, it's on the right-hand side. You click on that banner, do the same thing, takes you right to Amazon, do your shopping, and then kicks me some money back. So what am I doing with that? I'm using it to pay for web hosting. That's what I'm using it for. I have not made near enough to pay for web hosting for next year yet. So I'm hoping with Christmas coming up, guys, now's the time. If you're using Amazon and you want to support the show, it's a great opportunity for you to do so where I don't ask you for money. I ask you to go to my website, click a link, and do what you would have done anyways. So it's really a win-win for both of us. Let's just steal from Amazon. Let's do it together. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Um, topic for the for the day. We've got two of them that I want to go through. And um, 
one one is just it's a it's a complex mess is really what it is but I'm going to try to boil it down to something that I've talked about in the past and I'm going to try to correlate it with a couple other shows that I've done as well the main question comes down to medical decision making charting is what it what the the basic Facebook thread asked now, there's other people who are going to be saying, no, it wasn't about that. No, it was about this. Well, those are in the sub-threads. I didn't go through all the sub-threads. I hit one or two of the sub-threads that I was even remotely interested in, and this is what I'm going to talk about. And, and uh, John, if you're out there, I'm, this, this one is the, the one I'm t- we're, we're going to go through right now as far as the legal aspects of charting. It leads to a bigger question. Do you include information in your charting for differential diagnoses? And there's a lot of people that were like, yes, I was told to, yes, by a lawyer over here. And I was told by another lawyer over here not to. And then I've got people on both sides saying, yes, you do it. No, you don't. Yes, I think it's better to be more thorough. No, I don't think it's, you know, you don't want to open yourself up to liability. But then this was still tied into the medical decision-making discussion. So it gets even more complex. So first and foremost, let's do the medical decision-making discussion first. And I'll try to outline how, how I handle it and how it's really, it comes down to be not that hard to do once you get working. But when you're in school, you're like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. So for students, this is just for you to earmark that you're going to learn this when you get out and don't fret too much about it now. Just know that you'll, you'll need to understand it later. When you're doing CPT coding, and I've talked about CPT coding and it's E&M coding or you know, billing coding. It's all the same thing. Those are all synonyms for basically the same thing. It comes down to which coding number do you choose for the level of service that you're giving that patient for that time. And that's how it gets billed out. So, for example, in my practice, a 99213 would bill out Medicaid-wise in Ohio. It's, you know, 45 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. It's just under 50 bucks as a nurse practitioner, okay, not incident two, we're not getting into that ball of wax, that's too, too, too much in one show, so your CPT coding is, is a boiled down number that basically tells the insurance company, the Medicare, the Medicaid, the private insurances, what level of service you gave, and, and they pay you out, and that's it, that's what the number means, the problem is, is that the number is a complex number, if you actually sit down as a coder, and look at E-M- E&M coding and try to figure out what number to assign to things, it's sometimes very difficult because you have to look at charts and you have to try to jam in you know, all these different ways of charting into a specific type of coding system. So most of the coding system or the charting systems have caught on and, and have this already set up as templates. So most of it you don't need to worry about. So there's three parts to your CPT code. Okay, in, in essence, there's more than that, but let's just call it three. There's basically your history, there's your examination, which includes your vital signs in outpatient. You have to have vital signs. And there's certain mandates that you have to have in different settings. So in psych, they may have different different mandates to get paid out as a 1-2 or a 1-3 or a 1-4 or an 0-3 or whatever. But in So that's why when I, when I do this discussion, I'm really reserved to say you need to know what your coding for your practice is. You need to talk to your billing person. You need to get coding training. You do. You need a, you need a template that you can look at. That's that's a standard template. That's a cheat sheet that you can look at to know what you're doing. You just do. 
So this isn't going to be a, 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 an end of the discussion. This is the beginning of the discussion for many of you. It's, this is not going to close the door and lock it up and <laughs> finish the discussion. Because you can't do it in a podcast when I'm driving in the dark, windy roads while it's raining. I can't look at my notes, right? And this is one requires tables, charts, numbers, counting, calculations, things like that. If you're doing it the full-blown way, nobody does that in practice. Because once you do it a couple times, you kind of know what you're doing and you're good. But you got your history, you got your examination, and then you have medical decision making or MDM. So if you guys are new to this and you see MDM and all these and all these threads, that's what that's what this means. So in your template for your charting system, you're almost always going to have it set up so that your history, your examination are going to meet the requirements of the majority of like a 1-4 or an 0-3, right? Or even an 0-4. Which is which your O's are, are new patients, ones are not new patients. So one three is a new patient, like a medium level treatment, and there's different names for it. I'm not looking it up right now because I'm driving. So the so you almost always get your history and you get your examination, just because that's just being a good practitioner because you're covering your bases. You're going to get a good history on the person. You're probably going to hit more than four four points on you know uh, onset location duration all that stuff. You're almost always going to get more than four. And you're always going to have, you know, some, especially in the outpatient setting, you're going to get family history, um, you're going to get social history, habits, um, surgical, you know, all that stuff. You're going to get all that anyway. So you're going to have more enough, more than you need because you're trying to figure out what the hell's going, going wrong with this person. So you're going to get all that anyways. So where the, where the hat always hangs is on the MDM. And that's what I've said when I did my previous CPT coding thing. And it's true today, too. And it's and I told my boss this when I was talking to her, and she was like, no, you got to have this. And she was trying to overcome because I'm like, yep, our templates meet all those. I'm good. I do that anyways. We're, we're hung up on MDM. And MDM, there's three subparts. So not to make it too confusing that there's three parts to CPT coding, but MDM, there's three subparts. And I'm oversimplifying this, but I'm trying to do it so that people out there don't that don't understand that are new understand that you got to kind of think about these three different things. The first thing in MDM that you're going to look at is the number of problems and the complexity of the problems that you have. So it would be like two stable conditions in one new condition. All right. That's like a one four, right? I'm, I'm guessing. I'm like, that's kind of what I'm thinking it is. I just, I don't have it right in front of me. If you have three chronic stable conditions, it's a one four. If it's, you know, and so that's why you need to have a table of what it is for your practice that you can look at this and get the gut feel of what it is that you have. Okay. And it's not that simple, of course. And then, of course, the government never makes it any easier because this all came from Medicare, Medicaid and all that wonderful stuff. So we appreciate our government. You can thank your legislatures today. Great. The, um, the next area that you look at is the um, amount of work that you do looking up crap. All right? So it's your work level. So the first one is the number of problems they had and what they were, if they were stable, unstable, and all that stuff. So you have to document that stuff. If it's a stable condition or a worsening condition or a new onset of something, and it doesn't matter if it's a new onset of a hangnail, it's just that there's a new onset of a condition, okay? Because there's the level of complexity of what it is comes in later. The, the information, the second part of MDM is information that you have to, you look up, you, you order, stuff like that. So it would be ordering labs, okay? And there's levels of these even that get scores. 
So if it's basic labs that just cause venipuncture, it's a number one, it's one point. If it's um, um, ordering a chest x-ray, it might be one point. If it's uh, doing um, you know, a CT scan workup for an unknown new complex problem, it's like three points. I mean, so there's a whole bunch of these numbers. I don't care what the numbers are. I don't do the numbers in my head when I'm doing my coding. But if I have to order something, ultrasound, a CT scan, a lab, if I have to look at a, la- a report from another provider, if I have to interpret data that I've received from, say, the ER on something, and yes, I'm in family practice, so I'm, I'm, I'm not in your emergency medicine. I, I'm in the group with you guys just because I want to learn from you guys, and so I, I, I don't, I'm not in that group to try to tell you what to do because I do not know what emergency medicine. <laughs> not even close. But when, when you get information from the ER on stuff, then, then me doing that is, is a way of getting my billings up a little bit on that middle section of the chart, so to speak, of the um, medical decision making. Okay, So your MDMs, we've done the two components. So the first one is the level of number of problems, whether they're, what they're doing, are they getting better, worse, stable, all that stuff. The second level is all the crap that I'm doing looking at talking so you have to document that you did all this stuff so if you read a report to somebody reviewed lab report with with patient done you got to write that in your notes somewhere in your plan that's where i put it just because it makes sense more in my chart plus it rolls better with the the e&m coding the the people can read it and it's at the end you don't want to put that up in the beginning because it gets confusing that way Good coders can figure it out, but the problem is, is that why make them work for it? I'd rather have people give me credit for my work so that I can get paid more for the things I'm already doing. That's the goal. So the third thing, the last part of the medical decision making is your risk. And when you look at your level of risk, you have to say, okay, well, this is the hardest one, right? This is really subjective. Well, if I had somebody that came in with just small cellulitis, little cellulitis, not a big deal. Then I give them a medication and I send them out the door. It's probably going to be a one, three, right? Because my, I've already hit the history. I've already got the assessment component to it. Cause I'm going to check them everywhere. I'm going to see if they have another source. I'm going to, you know, do listen to their lungs, the heart, all that stuff. And I'm going to get, you know, at least nine body systems. I mean, and that's, that's enough. And I'm not going to get into the 2015, 2013 differences of assessment. That's too much for this. You guys will learn that later if you go to an E&M coding thing. But the the risk is the hardest thing to put your finger on. I can put in my my chart. If I here's an example. Let's just do an example. So go back to my person that's got you know uh, cellulitis, real mild cellulitis. I do their assessment. I give them a medication, I send them out the door. I could bill that as a 1-3 and it would be justifiable. But if they have a history of diabetes that's relatively well controlled, it's stable, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, all three of those are stable conditions, and I mention those in my chart that they're stable, continue current medications, follow up in two months for your routine visit, then I've, I've taken care of those three issues as well. So now I've just pushed that 1-3 to a 1-4. And it's justifiable because my risk level goes up with somebody that's got hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, maybe AFib with oncumidin. If I give them a medicine, their INR might get jacked up. Their risk goes up. 
and it's justifiable. And some people argue, oh, they're, you know, it's just a little cellulitis. Well, maybe, but their risk goes up with diabetes if it's uncontrolled. They're sick. They're infectious. They're, you know, I had to spend time talking to them about making sure that maybe they take a couple extra blood sugars while they're sick, while they're having this, while they're taking their medicine. It, so it's justifiable. That's my point. And you can defend that. And that's legitimate. So do it. You're doing it anyways. Get paid for it. Period. That's that's the point there. So the, the discussion about medical decision making was only important for the fact that it requires you to chart a certain amount of information for you to get paid. But it's also good care. So it, you know, I, I don't have a problem with putting things in a chart. You need to chart those things because you're not going to get paid if you don't. So here's my example of um, back to um, say somebody that was a ER visit that um, and I'm doing it as a follow up a couple days after they were in ER for um, chest pain, right? So they come into my office. They, you know, I got my my thorough history, my thorough examination, which I'm doing again anyways. And, um, and then I do my medical decision-making on this person, right? So I've, I've reviewed the ER report. I looked at the EKG. I actually looked at the EKG gets higher points. Reviewed actual EKG. You write that in the chart because you're reviewing the physical actual image. Pays more than just saying, I reviewed the report of the EKG. Yep, dude, just cut me off, asshole. Kid, Sorry. Isn't that nice? Good old country folk. Thanks, buddy. All right. Sorry. I don't usually swear that much, but I did. Sorry. Yeah, I do. I'm lying there. So back to the example. What was I saying? It was disruptive. ER report for chest chest pain. So I'm doing more level. That would be the second section of the medical decision making, right? So I got to go to my first section. What are their diagnoses? Well, it's chest pain, right? This is somewhat on new onset. So it's new onset chest pain. This is a new thing, right? And um, he's otherwise healthy. There's nothing else that I could say that he's got multiple other you know, chronic illnesses that are stable or unstable or improving or anything like that. So I can't take credit for that one. So that one's like a low-level medical decision-making. It's just one new onset problem. But then I have a bunch of crap that I got to look at because this is concerning. A chest, you know, chest pain is concerning. Is why, why is this guy having chest pain? The EKG, I review it. It was maybe, maybe he has, um, it's normal. Let's just say it's normal. Chest x-ray, I review that. And I don't get the actual images for that, so I can't get that one. But I get the reports. So I get a one point for that. I don't get multiple points for that one. But then I, you know, um, I look at the actual report, what they gave him, all that stuff. You know, did they give nitro? Did he improve with it? What was his SAT? Was, you know, how, how did it resolve? Did he get a re- referral in the hospital? Did he not get a referral in the hospital? Did they say it was, they expected it was GERD? Was he having other symptoms? So, so they, they kick him out of the ER because he resolves. And they, don't, they can't explain why he's having this chest pain. They say follow up with me. So I, I meet pretty moderate to high level of review of information. My workload was pretty high on that one. So that one, let's call it a moderate, okay? And, and this, the, the low, moderate, high is kind of like a, a 99212, 
two is low, a two one three would be moderate, two one four would be high. And that's just kind of how I think of it. So let's call it moderate. But then let's just go to risk, right? What's the risk if I miss this? This guy could die. Right? I mean, it could be very serious. Maybe he just he was resolved his EKG was normal. Maybe they, they read the wrong EKG in the ER. I don't know. But I got a guy saying that he continues to have chest pain and he comes to my office. The risk of him dying is pretty high. Let's call that one a high. High risk. So which code do you use? You got a low, a medium, and a high. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass, right? So it makes it even more difficult with the medical decision making. And you have to chart all this too, of why you're getting this. So what, what I do and what I've been told to do is you average them. So you go with a medium. Because you have a low of number of problems, you've got a moderate amount of work, but you've got a high risk this guy's going to die. You're basically sitting right in the middle. It would be a 99214. High is 5, sorry. Moderate is, is a 4. And, and low is like a 3 in your MDM. Okay, so you see how it's, it gets even more complicated. Now, go back to the charting. How do, why is this important? Why does this matter? The idea of charting, uh, charting your, your, uh, your, your notes is to protect you, but also to provide enough information for what used to be other providers to see what you've done. Now it's become so that, so that the, uh, and, and ultimately to protect your ass. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. But you got to have enough information in there that another provider can look at your note and say, this person came in with these problems, and this is what you did for them. Here's what you saw, here's what you did. Okay, It's really kind of that simple. The problem with putting multiple differential diagnoses in is that if you do that, you have to address each and every one of them. And if you miss one, that's the big one, then, then and somebody gets hurt, it opens you up. Now, does it say you're wrong? No, your medical treatment method and philosophy of care might have been spot on. Might have been perfect. It's exactly what you should have done. But the problem is, is that if you put in, you know, a zebra as a differential diagnosis and you missed another zebra as a differential diagnosis and that's the one that killed this person or caused them to get worse or not get treatment sooner or whatever, then the problem then becomes... What else in your chart did you miss? You're opening yourself up for liability. Okay? And, and so here's my recommendation. I do use differential diagnoses in my head. I'll even talk about them with the patient. Look, this is what you're presenting as over here. You, you look like X, but I can't tell you that you're not YZ or, you know, double X. It doesn't matter. I mean, whatever. And I'll talk to them about that because I want them to buy into the treatment plan. That's what makes us better than MDs is that we take that extra two minutes to explain why we're doing what we're doing. And that way, when, when if something does get missed or goes sideways, you can say, look, we, we talked about that. I documented that we talked about that. And, um, and I'm covered on that. It reduces my liability because I'm pushing it as a plan that we're both doing. Ultimately, I have the, the liability. I understand that. You can't push that liability onto the, to, the, to the client, but you can at least make it easier to say, look, you, you, you own your own body and you have your own choice. If I want you to go get an ultrasound and I explain that I think that it's for this reason, then you know I've done, I've done my due diligence. I can't make them go do something. They have to buy in on it. 
that's part of good care too. But here's the problem. If you list multiple differential diagnoses and you don't close the loop, I talk about closing the loop in previous episodes. The problem is, is that you're going to end up with this gap in your, in your charting. I'm trying to come up with an example. It's really hard. And in emergency medicine, I'm not even going to try to give you an example because I don't do that. Let's use an example of, um, Let's just use my chest pain example. Let's just use that guy. Okay, so he comes in to me. He has chest pain, and I think I blow off that it's a, that he's having an MI. It was worked up in the ER, and he was positive that he wasn't having an MI. Right? It's positive. The ER said it wasn't that. So I don't even can contemplate that. Okay, and and I go to GERD. I say he's got chest pain, dyspepsia. Shortness of breath, hoarse voice, all the you know the signs and symptoms of that. So I get all my history, my 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 assessment kind of correlates with that. And um, in my medical decision making, I go and say, you know, it's new onset GERD. And I don't say, you know, or, or I don't say anything about um, the possibility. The possibility is differential diagnosis don't help you in medical decision making. Because it's not a it's not a diagnosis. It's a differential. It's not actual. So those don't count. So putting them in doesn't get you paid more. So I, I don't do it. If I put down in my notes, in my plan, um, suspect GERD, can't rule out MI. But I don't do anything else about the MI. I just put them on protonics and kick them out the door. <laughs> Good luck. See me in a month. Let me know how it's going. But I don't send them to a cardiologist. I don't, you know, order an echo. I don't, you know, where whatever they didn't do in the ER, or if I think that they didn't do it right, which isn't very often, but if they, you know, say they get an x-ray of something and it just doesn't look like a good view of something, I, or it's in a different location than where they're really complaining of the problem, I'm going to reorder the x-ray. I might reorder an EKG for the chest pain guy. So, so... If you don't do something for one of your differential diagnoses and you contemplated it, you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. You have to close the loop on every one of those that you list. So if you put something in your chart, it has to mirror your plan. Another example. Obesity. I see this one all the time, right? You see people in, in their notes, they put obesity as a, as a, um, as a problem. And a lot of times it's a fallback so that your MDM, the first thing we talked about, the number of problems and the level that they are, um, you, get, you can get credit for that. That's another diagnosis. Obesity, that gets me to two, uh, two problems, chest pain and obesity, right? So, or whatever. The problem with obesity is that most people don't do anything with that. So if you put it in your chart, that you have obesity, but you didn't even talk about it in your plan. It's innocuous. Are you going to get sued over obesity? No, you're not going to get sued over obesity. But if somebody dies because of a heart attack and you missed it and you put obesity and you didn't have anything in your plan, now I as an attorney can look at your entire chart with some skepticism and say, look, you didn't do anything for obesity. What else did you not do in your chart? See what it does? It opens you up for liability. So if you put obesity in your chart, you better have something that says discuss diet and exercise, recommended losing weight, healthy activities, eating habits, whatever, decreased sugary beverages, something. You did something for that problem. 
If you list it as a diagnosis or a differential diagnosis, which I don't recommend you put in your chart, you have to do something for it, period. You just do. Because if you get sued over that piece of paper and I, as an attorney, look at it, I'm going to pull that apart and say, look, you just didn't, it's innocuous. You know, that wasn't any reason why you didn't, you know, this person is in trouble and, and is suing you. But looking at this piece of paper, I see that you, you, you say that you have a problem that you just don't address. Do you always, you know, not address problems? Do you skip problems all the time and just let them, you know, let them go? Because, oh, well, this isn't a big deal. Let's just not do that one. What other problems did you not find with my patient? And then they look at your actual history and your physical. And if they see, oh, so there's, you put in there smoking. Patient is a smoker. Did you discuss that? Well, maybe they had a stroke and they were on birth control. I, did you look at their medications? Yes, you, st- you said you looked at all their medications. How did you miss that? I mean, right? So if, if you put it in there, reviewed medications, you got to review their medications. You can't put it in your document if you don't do it. That's what scares the crap out of me about templates. People just hit select, select, select. And it's hard to not do that. Even, even me, I'll get cruising and I'll be like, oh shoot, I did click that button. I got to go back and fix that. So it creates work for me. That's why I chart all the time because I want my charts clean. And other people in my office look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, I'm making sure these things are clean. I'm doing it for me because I don't want the liability down the line. I want to be able to defend every piece of paper that I put my name on. So why would you want to open yourself up by listing something you don't need to get paid that doesn't help your other providers in your, in your community that see your chart to understand what it is that you're doing? You, they can look at what you found. You've got your chief complaint. You've got your history of present illness. You know what the problem is that the patient's complaining of right there. You have their history right there spelled all out. You have what you did. There's no reason to list all these differentials. Now, sometimes I do put, and I'm like, this is my caveat, occasionally I will put suspect this but can't rule out that. This is why we're doing that test. So that way, if somebody comes back later, it's tied to it. But it's covered in my chart, so I'm good with it. It's the differentials that don't get discussed that cause a problem. Does that make sense, guys? And I know it's, it's really complicated. It's really hard to discuss what, what um, MDM is through a podcast. You have to go to a course and see this stuff. And your billing, your, your value to your organization will go up, I promise you. You are underbilling if you don't know what medical decision-making is. I guarantee you're under underbilling. Like 90 some percent. It was a huge number of the statistics I heard in the course I did that of, of providers underbill by one code. It's ridiculous. So get the money that you're doing. You're doing the work. You're doing the work. Go get paid. Get paid for it. So I hope that helps, guys. I know it's really difficult to do, and I, it's it's hard to tie it all together, and it was raining today, dark and curvy and traffic and so I, I apologize it's hard to do sometimes and uh, so I don't think this was my best show but I think it is a good topic and I think it's good that you guys are asking these questions because if you weren't asking these questions I would be fearful for you number one that you're not going to be productive for your your employer and they're going to say well look you're not bringing in the money that the other people are doing it and so we as nurse practitioners need to be bringing in the most amount of money that we can for every practice that we work for to show our value If you want paid more, we have to get more for the company. That's the way it works. 
and you got to be happy about doing it. So it takes more education, it takes more time, and that's okay. That's what it, that's what we have to do as professionals. So keep comments, questions, John. If you're out there, if you have anything you want to add or want to fix anything, I'm sure there's a dozen other things I didn't talk about that I should have. Um, you email me, Jeff at the NPDude.com. You got my you were buddies on Facebook, so just PM me. Let me know something I missed, and um, I'd love to do do a on the show like you did with Chris and uh, and discuss this in person or you know more in person I guess through the phone than rather than uh, back back and forth tag type type of uh, discussion. But but let me know if I missed anything, man. I, I really appreciate your input. You're doing a great job for our for our profession, and I really respect what you got got to say. So. You guys out there, don't forget to share and like the show. Don't forget those Facebook uh, and iTunes ratings. Those are really helpful, guys. I appreciate those. And uh, use the Amazon affiliate link coming into Christmas time. So I really appreciate it. I need your help. I got to I gotta support the show financially a little bit so that we can keep this thing going. So use the Amazon affiliate link as well. And uh, those Ohio peeps that are looking for some legal work, if you want me to review your contract, you email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I know I send my, my email all the time, but that's okay. And uh, send me those send me those contracts. If you want me to review them, I'll give you a price. I'll uh, talk to you in person. We'll go through what's going on. It might not be as big a deal as you think it is. Maybe it's a bigger deal. So um, give me a call. Let me know what's going on. We'll talk soon, guys. Have a great day.